This is Speaking of Speaking, quick tips and tools to take you from stage fright to spotlight. This podcast gives you an inside look from the world of public speaking and the speaking secrets you need to be bold from the stage, no matter what business you're in. The host of Speaking of Speaking, Carl Richards. Thank you, Matt. Can you believe we are already at season four of the Speaking of Speaking podcast? It has been an amazing journey, and I thank you for being a part of it. In Season 3, we hit 4,000 downloads, which anyone in the podcast world knows that that's no small accomplishment. That's a fairly large one, and that's due hugely in part to you. So thank you so much for being a part of the journey, for listening to the episodes, the guests, and thanks for your comments as well that come in from time to time. So really appreciate that. Season 3 wrapped up with a little bit of a... A throwback to what we did over the last year. And today is the start of season four. And here's what we can look forward to in season four. I just want to share some of this with you before we get going with our guest today, because one of the things that we're doing as we look at season four of the Speaking of Speaking podcast is getting back to our roots a little bit. So we're going to be talking a lot about communication. We'll be talking a lot about structure and some of the guests that we have lined up play right into that, including our guest today, who we will be introducing very shortly. So some of the guests that we're going to have in season four include Paul Ross. Paul Ross is a returning guest. He's an NLP practitioner who works with a lot of sales professionals and coaches, consultants, and we're going to be talking to Paul again. We also have the opportunity to chat with global business educator and author Catherine Matiski who is the founder of TPC, the performance company. It's a leading training and consulting organization in Melbourne, Australia. A lot of her clients are all over the world, including Canada and the U.S. She's written a book, so we have some great things to talk about with Catherine. We're also going to be talking to Marike Van Asten, as well as Heather DeSanto again, and some of the other authors who were featured in the Soulology Chronicles, Voices, Words of Wisdom, Inspiration, Courage, and Soul. But really getting back to our roots is what we want to do, because communication is still extremely important, and it's even more important to make sure that we're sharing the right communication on this podcast podcast and bringing the right guests for you. So that's what we're going to be looking forward to. And today's guest, oh my goodness, speaking of communication, it's through communication that I met Jeffrey A. McGuire. You can call him Jam, and that's usually what I call him. (laughs) I had a chance to meet Jeffrey early in 2021, and how it happened was one of my clients, Anna Pilon, who has a very successful podcast, by the way, called talks on the wild side. She said, Hey, Carl, are you looking to do more work on podcasts? And I said, absolutely. And her daughter, Tracy Evans is a very successful business person in Cologne, Germany. And she is the co-founder of open strategy partners, which is where I met Jeffrey. And we've been working on a number of different projects over the last year, a lot of podcasts and also some other media programs that we put together as well. So it's been a phenomenal journey with Jeffrey. Let me tell you a bit about him, though. He is a partner at Open Strategy Partners, as I said. He builds on more than a dozen years of experience in open source technology at the intersection of software, business, and culture. 
He is an experienced public speaker. He has hosted numerous awards ceremonies and delivered dozens of keynotes, over 150 conference presentations, and over 220 podcast interviews. We're so blessed that he's chatting with us today, sharing with us his take on communication. Jeffrey, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Carl. I'm happy to be here. It is it is an honor having you here. And I have to say, it's been a fantastic year learning a lot about not just who you are, uh, but also a lot about, you know, your beliefs and where you come from as it relates to speaking and communication. I do want to talk about that today, but I also know you have a love for music and a passion for music. Let's start there and let's talk, let's talk music. I am a musician by calling and education and I still get paid to play music, although not so much anymore. I made the leap several years ago so that music's not my full-time income anymore. And I think that's been overall a pretty good choice, (laughs) but I'm still a professional performing musician. I still travel around occasionally, play with friends, do some recording, stuff like that. And I am, my home base is as a French horn player, and I have done quite a lot of singing in my time and, um, I think it, it's actually part of the thread that I followed about that ended up with this communication work that I do now. But I really, I really do love music, and I, I learned classical music, and I've performed a ton of that—chamber music, orchestras, operas, all of that stuff—and also a lot of jazz and a lot of a lot of other stuff along the way. You mentioned jazz. Is there a huge call for a French horn in the jazz world? Yes and no. There's. In the jazz world, there's a place for people to express themselves. And a jazz French horn is not only not unique, but it's not the weirdest thing that I've heard. I mean, I think it gets a lot stranger when you start talking about jazz bassoon or jazz oboe or, yeah. However, really, really interestingly, on the recording Birth of the Cool that Miles Davis did with a like a nonet or dictet setting, which is a really, really, really fantastic composed bebop record basically from oh i'm going to get the year wrong but it's quite early starting with birth of the cool basically until today which means honestly you know a solid 60 70 years of practice right now there have been horns in bands gunther schuller played with miles davis in that nonette then all the work that miles davis did with gil evans so the porgy and bess suite the sketches of spain suite a bunch of other things. That band has horn in it. Stan Kenton had horns. Um, Stan Kenton's Grammy-winning West Side Story Jazz, Big Band Arrangements, which is one of the greatest records ever. Go listen to it. There are horns on that. J.J. Johnson used horns. And there's this concept of the expanded big band or the concert big band. And so your regular big band setting is a rhythm section. So basically piano, guitar, and bass and drums. And then five wind doublers, so five reeds, five saxophone players, three or four or five trombones, and five trumpets. Some people swap around instruments. But anyway, this con- this expanded big band, um, you get people... I, I played with Lalo Schifrin. I played with um, Jean-Luc Ponty. I played with a bunch of people where there'd be like timpani and a tuba and two French horns and an oboe and a xylophone and, uh, you know, adding all these things on it. And horns were there a lot. And I had the incredible good fortune when I was doing my master's degree in New York to be at Manhattan School of Music where there's a great jazz program. And the first semester I was there, there was a notice up on the bulletin board that said, hey, we're doing, it was Porgy and Bess, I think. Anyway, we're doing in the, in the top 
big band. We're, we need a couple horns for the semester. And so I played that project. They let me play the project. And then we like, we toured it across, we played a few concerts across the country. We did a whole bunch of things. And then every semester I was there, they did a project with horns. So I did two solid years of playing big band. I learned to read all the charts. A few years later, when I moved to Germany, there's a ton of great musicians here in Germany, but playing jazz and reading swing and big band charts and knowing how to do that is not part of the standard operating procedure for horn players here in Germany. And I lucked into some amazing gigs with the VDR, the WDR big band, which is a big radio band, big band here in Cologne, with the radio band in Frankfurt, with a bunch of smaller ensembles. I played with some incredible combos, went all around Europe with it. I got super lucky with that and had so much fun. And there's a, there's a few recordings floating around that I'm on that are just, oh, I love hearing that. It was a great time. I, I hope it comes back again, but... Uh, I, I, I am geeking out right now because I love music. I grew up around it. Like you, I, I sang, I learned piano, didn't get very good at it. My instrument was trumpet. Hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I try and pick it up now. I don't think I have the embouchure for it, but, but, <laughs> and I don't know how easy it is to come back, but, but certainly never knew just as you're explaining the application for, for French horn in, in band. And I, and I, and I think it's fascinating because as this podcast gets back to its original roots about you know speaking and communication and 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 sharing a lot about that music is a language unto itself right and i, I think people understand that but there's also a there's a certain not a science, but there's that like we all gather, even if we say, oh, I don't like that kind of music. Music seems to be what what lifts us up. It what's it's what motivates us. It helps us work through anger or whatever it is. Music's always there. And it's that language of music that helps us through good times, bad times, all the time. For sure. And uh, I think there's a thread right through to to what I do now. I always used to say that performing music for other people is an entirely positive activity. Honestly, if I screw something up terribly, the worst thing that can happen is that I won't get that gig next time, right? That it'll damage my career. But if I if I don't play so great, um, nothing gets polluted, nobody but me gets fired. There's no terrible consequences to it. If I do a great job, if I'm, I'm doing some amazing piece with amazing people, there's a huge chance that that we can move the audience, right? And that we can make a special moment that we can make their day or make their life or make their year, you know, or making that special recording that I always go back to and remember when we did that. That's It's entirely positive. That, yeah, that it, it felt like an incredible, it still feels like an incredible privilege, frankly, to to have the ability to do that. I want to jump off that, that positivity note that you mentioned there, because one of the things that in your current role at uh, Open Strategy Partners as a partner that you and Tracy Evans. Tracy Evans will be a guest, by the way, on on another episode, uh, if not this season, because we already have a jam-packed season, but then certainly maybe into season five, but hopefully this season. One of the things that Open Strategy Partners is very good at is focusing on or emphasizing positivity. And I, I want to cover this in, in a few different ways, because as a team member at OSP, we focus a lot on gratitude and there are other things. So let's start with gratitude. When did you and and Trace your, or when was that decided that we're going to really focus on gratitude as a team? When we were figuring out what, what business we were going to run, 
you know, when we were gaming out different business models and stuff, Tracy was reading a lot about positive psychology, which I think some people might say that's been a little bit discredited, but I think there's a wonderful grains of truth in the whole positive psychology movement and what does it mean to be happy and is happiness the goal and all of that stuff. Positive psychology, very, very interesting. And there's very legitimate sources that talk about it. So she was reading a lot about that. And once we figured out what the company was going to be, we kicked off officially in September of 2017. And things went well enough that by January of 2018, we were able to hire our first team member. The three of us had all had very different, but all very difficult work experiences in the past across a lot of different times and, and, and experiences. And it's not important what that was, but one thing that was very clear to us is that we wanted to be the place where we would want to work. I was very concerned about not repeating the mistakes of my past. I, I didn't want to be the abused kid who becomes the abuser kind of thing. I, that sounds really, really dark, right? But And at the time, I was becoming aware I, that that was my chance to start to learn about leadership. And leadership is really different to management, right? Leadership is a, is a different thing. And, you know, still we're we're all a bunch of people doing a bunch of things that enhance each other. Even now there's more like 10 of us. It felt very important to us to create a place where we would want to work. And Tracy was very adamant that that would start with culture first. And a lot of this positive psychology stuff came in at the base alongside mindfulness and so on. I think that reinforced some of my ideas about communication, but it, uh, a bunch of the things that we do every day now at OSP crystallized out of that moment of like, who do we want to be? Not who do we want to work for and what do we want to deliver, but what is this place? And how, how do we want to feel when we're working here? Gratitude statements. So we have a whole gratitude channel in our internal chat communication, saying thank you is incredibly powerful and important. Giving someone a compliment or saying thank you for something when you're feeling really down empirically makes, well, I feel better and it's another positive psychology move. Gratitude, just, I don't know, it helps. It helps. It helps so much. And then in parallel to this, we do not write negative copy. We don't use violent language. We don't use war metaphors. We've made a bunch of choices to be, well, at OSP, when we talk about our authentic communication framework, it is building communications based around empathy and clarity and trust. Empathy of language, empathy of subject matter, empathy of helping you understand whether this is even whether you even need to be reading whatever I'm writing. And clarity means being honest, right? About like, this is what we do well, and this is what we don't do, and and not not making up stuff or obfuscating or 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 exaggerating, which I think is a, a big problem in a lot of tech marketing. And trust, right? Build trust with your audience. If we have a client who wants to build up a long-term sales relationship over time, the best way is to tell them exactly what is going on exactly what we can and can't do, be logical, be reasonable, help them through the tough times, right? And by applying empathy and clarity, we build trust over time. And, and, and that seems to work. So empathy, clarity, trust were a really, really early concepts. Long answer to a very good question. I'm, I'm really glad you took the time to explain that. And we're going to move on from that. But I did, I did want to mention, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, and you want to find out some of those details about what 
Jeffrey was talking about really some of their their communication strategies at OSP. It's it's on their website. It's it's a, it's a part of their their DNA. So we'll make sure the links are all in the show notes after today. We'll also link to the OSP podcast because firstly, it's a great podcast. I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it and and work through it. But there's also a lot of great communication that happens with that podcast. And there's three different channels of that show. Well, actually, why don't we talk about that for a moment? Seeing as we're on a podcast, why don't we promote the OSP sure. podcast? Because- sure. Let me give you my um let me give you my shameless pitch, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's um tell me what the podcast is and where where did it come from? In our earliest workshops with a coach that we had to help us found and plan what we were going to do with open strategy partners, the company motto or the pillars, it's uh communicate, connect, grow. So we say we help agencies and technology organizations communicate the value of what they do to connect them to the people who should know about it and grow. So communicate, connect, grow. And then we do strategic communications to help growth, whether that's sales, whether that's downloads of your open source package, whether that's building a partner network, whatever it is. And we have a bunch of moves where we're not a content agency. We are a strategic communications agency. So in a nutshell, we work with clients to translate from the complexity of their products and services to the value that they deliver. And we tr- and we communicate that so that other people can find it. So we do strategic consulting and we have our own strategic framework and tools in there that are very powerful and very interesting. It's classic marketing stuff with personas and buyers journeys and so on. But we also have a couple of tools of our own, including what we call the value map. Then we have a whole communication planning exercise. So essentially, once you have your strategy and your goals clear, how can that be supported by communication? If you want it, we can create the communication with you or for you. Audio, video, we mostly do writing in words, blog posts, white papers, et cetera, et cetera. So those are our practices. And then because of the way that we've approached, especially writing, but everything that we do is very process oriented. So everything is somewhere between quite well and very well documented and modular. So it's repeatable. We can hand off tasks between us and our clients or between our team members or do it all one person. It's going to be done the same way. And that gives us consistency and repeatability and a certain level of quality that we can guarantee. And in the writing practice, that goes from you know having a content brief that tells you what you're going to write about before you start writing. You never stare at a blank page and we never sit down and blog for someone. We understand this piece of communication is promoting that with this focus for that audience who face these challenges, right? It's really great as a writer to have all that already set up for you. All of that works really, really well. And it works so well that our fourth area of business activity is writer enablement. So if you would like to never stare at a blank page again when you start writing, you can come and talk to us about, about our recent templates and how to use them and sign up for a workshop or ask, uh, you know, ask one of us to explain it to you. Um, a lot of these things, we're also putting them on our website piece by piece so that other people can take advantage of these systems. We come from the open source world, and I feel we can help more people in the world than we could ever have as clients. So we also have writer enablement workshops. Um, we have workshops to build fun things like team profiles for your website. But there's a bunch of, we do a bunch of things on the how to communicate side, which are fun and interesting alongside strategy planning and creating communications. Now, the podcast fits squarely into this 
writer enablement thing. The pieces that we've done so far are talking about how we write and edit, and then going episode by episode through our 60 plus editorial codes. We have a system of editorial codes that are the result of several years of work of people trying to extract my editorial brain and turn it into something usable and repeatable for other uh, team members and, and, and the world now, the, the things actually online. What is good writing? I've written a lot and I've been edited a lot. And I used to talk about living in the editorial process and the fact that I know in my bones that any piece of writing worked on by two or three people is going to be better than any piece of writing by any one of us. I am not precious about my words. People who don't write so much have a hard time accepting things being ripped out and reordered and changed and whatever. But I've really lived in that editorial process. So we worked really, really, really hard so that an editor can explain themselves when they make changes. Do this because it's a more logical way to explain it. Don't say that because it's a war metaphor and we prefer not to use violent language and so on and so forth. And these are codes so that the editor is is forced to show their homework, to show their thinking to the writer. Mm -hmm. And very importantly, we never say, this was wrong and now it's right. Here's what you wrote and here's how I corrected it. We make suggestions and offers. Here's what it was and here's how I think it would be. Here's how I've changed it. And I think it might be better for these reasons because this rule or that, whatever it is. So we use a lot of comments. So our editorial process is not black boxes. It's a conversation. And as an author receiving that kind of editing, I have three choices. If you change something, I can say, whoa, that's so much better. Thank you. Um, I can say, I've thought about it and I considered it. And no, I want to keep mine original, but here's why. So having a justification, having thought it through again and then made the same choice, even with the new editorial input, is a legitimate reason to keep it as it was. And then what very often happens is a sort of third option will appear out of the exchange about the first two, and and it's better than all of that. So our editorial process is not hierarchical, and it's not about seniority, and it's not black boxes, which is everything that I hated about professional writing in the past. It's a conversation, and the editors are learning as much as the writers, and we have a lot of I want to say fun with it. And that's the sort of stuff that I'm extremely keen to share with the world. And that's where our first few podcasts are. And it's explaining piece by piece parts of that system. And we're just going to keep going with it because it's going, yeah, it's going really well. And I really appreciate your help with it, Carl. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of it. There are some amazing things that I've learned and I've applied having learned about these editorial codes that I knew nothing about. I mean, I Wait a minute, Carl, that, no, that costs extra. Sorry. No. No, you can't. It's like putting <laughs> my hand in the cookie jar, right? No, you can't have a cookie. Uh, oh, now I want <laughs> but, a cookie. But I've learned so much because so much of our language, and, and, and I wanted to talk about this. I, I really wanted to get to this point because I know you've spent a lot of time on stage, but so much of our language, not only in writing, but also in speaking, comes from, you mentioned war metaphors or other writings that are put more of a negative emphasis on it. I also like the fact that when you're going through that editing process, there's no wrong or right. There's suggestions, which I think is a completely different concept than what most corporate worlds do. Obviously, it's like, nope, this is the way we do it. Don't ask why, just do it that way. But let's take it from a speaking perspective. Do you find yourself putting more of the positivity and has your speaking changed 
COVID notwithstanding, but when you're speaking on stage now, are you more cognizant of where you're going with your language and the the words or metaphors or things that you're choosing as you're, even if you're recording a podcast episode, are you, are you more cognizant of that? Yes. I have done a lot of public speaking and a lot of interviewing and a lot of podcasts over the years. And what we're talking about at OSP is in the end, if you have to boil it right down to its essence, it's being mindful. It's being aware of what we are saying and how we're saying it. I was an okay editor before. I'm a better editor now because several of our colleagues over a few years watched me editing texts and asked me why I did a thing and asked me why I did a thing and asked me why I did a thing. And we got these principles out of it. A lot of it matches up with reasonable editorial thinking. And a lot of it is this other worlds that we're somehow building. That absolutely led me to considering my words and considering my topics and, and, and how I get there. And I think that's, I mean, I appreciate that outcome. I think mindfulness in general is, is better place for me to be than mindlessness, right? It's important to make sure that when we are communicating our ideas, whether they're on a stage, whether they're on you know, heaven forbid we stay on Zoom too much longer, but whether it's on a Zoom call or or whether it's in our writing, that we are aware of that mindfulness, that we're aware of there is an end user yeah. to what we're creating. Yeah. How is that messaging going to be received? And I think it's one of those things that maybe has been not missed, but maybe we've gotten away from it a little bit. And I'm not saying because of COVID-19. I just think that the world itself has gotten away from it. And I, I'm hoping, if I, if I could gaze into my crystal ball and say, during season four, we're going to become a more positive world. And we're going to focus mm-hmm. on being more mindful of how the end user is reacting to what we're yeah. sharing with them. Yeah. There's a, there's a really interesting anti-pattern that I don't have a name for. And I really, I want to figure out it probably ha- I mean, maybe it has a name, but there's a something that we really hit early in the co- in the company in the OSP time. There's a way of writing for technical audiences, which is not exactly fud, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, but it's so close. And it's when you're telling the reader that they're doing something wrong, and essentially the thing is like, if you're still using so and so, you're wasting however many hours of your day right? And if you tell, I mean, especially developers who are very opinionated, very smart people, if you say, hey, come read my article about this super cool thing, right? And you go into the article, it's like, if you're still using technology X, you're just a dummy, right? That's like the quickest way to turn someone off. And it's such a subtle trap, right? And instead of saying, if you're using X, you could be wasting two hours of your day, you write, hey, if you try why our thing here, we'd love to know what you think about it. And our experience has shown it that it's, it's saved us a couple hours a day. And that's the same information, but I'm not talking negatively about something else. I'm talking positively about the thing I'm trying to promote. And I am signaling to my reader that my reader is an intelligent, open-minded person. And if they feel like trying this thing, I've seen benefits from it, and why don't they come have a look, right? And it's just a matter of a couple of words, and I think it makes all the difference to what it's saying. We've touched on positivity and gratitude, but we also were really, we want to be human first. We want you to take care of yourself first, right? And that's the most important. And whatever happens in your family and whatever happens, like our work, I love it. 
I think that I am helping, we are helping our clients who I consider peers and friends and, and, and colleagues in technology. All of that's great and, and important at the best times where because of the strategic nature of our work, I think we're helping them have better businesses, right? Which is awesome and fun and so interesting. My side of the house is kind of communications. And then there's the strategic side as well. But none of this is life and death, right? If your dad is dying or you're sick or there's whatever it is, it's the weekend, go do the important stuff, right? Go be with your family. Go do something with your friends. Go cook, right? Honestly. Deadlines are important, all that kind of stuff, but that's not what comes first. I think that was a now, huge... For any potential clients, disclaimer, we're super good at delivering on time. Just saying. <laughs> and also, we sort of joke about it, but as a founder here, I do find myself breaking those rules sometimes, but it's, I don't know, it's okay. It was my choice. I, I, I think there are times that if you're working on tight deadlines, yeah, okay, you might have to pull a Sunday afternoon because it's a client deliverable. That happens. But if it's consistently, you know, every Sunday or during a vacation period or something like yeah. that. And that's one of the things that I've learned to appreciate is that work gets done. It's a great environment. It's it's fun to be in. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. But at the end of the day, yes, the client deliverables are important, but so is my mental health. So is my weekend, my yeah. my whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, you know that you're going to get more results out of, uh, and I'll say me because I'm, I'm I'm part of that that team. You'll get more out of me if you've let me sleep enough, uh, you know, <laughs> let not interrupted my vacation, you know, all yeah. of those things that seem to be forgotten sometimes. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say in the Western world, because that's where I am. I mean, you're in Cologne, Germany. I'm I'm in Canada, but sometimes we forget that and. We think, nope, it has to be done right now, even if it's Saturday afternoon. We need to have this conversation yeah, now. Yeah, we need yeah, to do yeah. this right now. Yeah. There's a, a difference between, quote unquote, Europe and North America, but we're not going to call you after hours unless it's really important, you know? And Or to only- say hi. I mean, how many times have you called me on well, a Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock, knowing that it's, well, maybe not 4 o'clock because that's probably 10 o'clock your time. Uh, but, you know, 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the afternoon going, hey, Carl, how's it going? Just wanted to sure. say hi and say thanks for all your help this week and things like that, which is just, it's so cool. I love phone calls like that. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. But, um, you know, when you go on vacation, you should just turn yourself off. Like all that stuff just seems to be... <sighs> You know what? That comes from, circling back, that comes from some of my old work experiences. I was in a, a very high-growth startup where I had a lot of wonderful experiences and some terrible ones. And I watched some of my American colleagues turn on their out-of-office messages between 8.30 and 10 a.m. saying, I am currently at a dentist appointment, but I will get back to you as soon as I get back to the office. And if it's really important, my cell number is this, and you can call me right now and we'll figure it out. It's like 90 minutes of your life. I just, it's not, we're not the police and we're not surgeons. And I just don't, it was, it's too much, right? It's too much. And, and, and so, yeah, that was another thing of like, how do we feel human here? I'm really glad you shared that because I think that's something that, you know, we can take a page from over here in the Western world. So thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey, for bringing, for bringing that out. 
I want to give you the opportunity, though, to pass along something to our listeners. What would you, I mean, we've shared a lot, but is there anything that you'd like to pass along to them that they can use as a tool or what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? We have a website. It's a lot to type. It's openstrategypartners.com. We are sharing piece by piece by piece what we do and how we do it. There are a few pages dedicated to showing you what a workshop might look like and uh, some of the services that we offer. Our blog is full of how-tos and information and insights. There's some stuff now about writing good case studies and why and how, and every podcast gets a post as well. So a lot of the editorial codes are going up there. We're speaking in late 2021. In early 2022, we're turning on an entirely new section of the website that's going to be full of documentation and all this writing and editing stuff. I want to share how we do what we do so that you can also do it. And if you'd like to come be a client, you'd like to learn how to do something better, or you have a, a complex topic that needs explaining in terms of the value it delivers, that's what we're here for. We love technology. We come from the world of open source. We love agencies and product companies. I love that sort of stuff. I'd love to talk with you. But if I can just help you, then go check it out. Get in touch. Tell me how it helped. And, uh, you know, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love to know if you know, this stuff makes sense to other people now that it's outside of our heads. And Jeffrey loves coffee as well. So uh, if it's, even if it's across borders, he might be having a coffee with you, although it might be a smaller cup because he does like his espresso. So yes, I don't have my stunt espresso cup in front of me. Oh, well, yep. <laughs> Jeffrey, it's been fantastic chatting with you today. Thanks for taking the time before I let you go. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom you'd like to impart? Oh, I don't know about the wisdom department, Carl, but thanks for thanks for inviting me on uh, here. It's it's really great to talk with you. You and I have, you know, I'm really glad to say you and I talk several times a week, and it's great to have you on our team. I really, really like it. I really like having you around and the help that you, you know, the work that you do is great. So, you know, it's kind of cool to hang out in your, actually, I don't know. Are you moonlighting with us or is this your moonlighting now? I don't, anyway, it's great to talk with you. I'm really happy to be here and uh, thank you, man. Just say it's great to talk by moonlight. <laughs> so romantic. Jeffrey, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Carl. And remember, get out there and own the platform. Thanks for listening to the Speaking of Speaking podcast. Fired up about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Be sure to visit carlspeaks.ca. And don't forget to follow Carl on Twitter at carlrichard72 or join the Facebook group Speaking of Speaking 